What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James, and before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The Ancient Mutant stands on the verge of planetary conquest. Every hero of the Earth has been subdued, and the will of the people has been broken. At long last, the Age of Apocalypse is before all mankind. It is then that a ding can be heard, and you've got mail. Thunders through the skies. Apocalypse looks around uncertain then glances over to his bank of computers, where a pulsing number one appears on the screen. The email opens itself, and Freakazoid pulls himself out of the screen. Ah, you're a bad, 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 bad boy, and you deserve a spanking. I got my paddle. You want me to say more? Apocalypse is bemused by this new adversary, but that isn't going to stop him from ending this mania once and for all. It's the first one versus the incoherent one. It's N. Sabanur versus Dexter. It's Apocalypse versus Freakazoid. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. In today's battle, it's yet another example of how the Who Would Win show sets the bar when it comes to crossover battles. In one corner, you have Freakazoid, an icon of 90s Warner Brothers animation that pushed the limits of insane animated comedy that was allowed on network TV at that time, versus Apocalypse, who many call the first mutant and someone who is so powerful that even the X-Men, as in all of them, are deathly afraid of this guy. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And Please. surprise, surprise, yeah, no one, no one has ever dared to discuss this matchup before, which means yet again, the Who Would Win show is bringing you a premier geek battle matchup for the first time ever for the Legion of Audience. Yet again, you are very welcome. So, Ray, really got to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think of today's battle? I love it. I first want to give professional gratitude to our patrons on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash who would win show. We had our fans vote and, you know, the fans had said, you know, you give us these great characters. We pick from them. What if we had the choice to supply you with characters and then vote on them ourselves? And so we said, okay. So last month when they did the voting uh, and the polls and everything that led to our last one, I don't remember. But my point I'm trying to make is, is that they gave us a bunch of choices as well as some votes. And so Freakazoid and a few others, uh, Aloy from uh, Horizon uh, uh, Zero Dawn video games, as well as a couple other characters, uh, all got on the list. And boy, far and away, Freakazoid got the win in this vote poll. Everybody was excited to see Freakazoid on the Who Would Win show. 
and I am here to try to do him just the slightest modicum of justice. The reality is, though, James, I'm going to win this battle because I've been kicking your butt from pillar to post all throughout this entire season five, and I see no reason why it should stop today. It's true. I've lost a couple of matches, but I have a good feeling about today's because I am repping someone who's insanely powerful, one of my favorite villains of all time. This is going to be great. Now, we got to kind of get down to some business, Ray. As you may know, I'm going to San Diego Comic-Con this weekend, representing who would win. I'm doing the producer thing. I've got parties I'm going to. I'm meeting a lot of people, going to some cool events, great dinners. I'm about to have a first-class experience at Comic-Con yet again. And Ray, word has gotten back to me that you're, um, how can I put this nicely, using air quotes, upset that you were not invited somehow. Is this true? I have a rule when it comes to these conventions, whether it be E3, Anime Expo, San Diego Comic-Con, or whatever else you got out there, I will only show up at your convention if you cut me a check. And so if I don't see a check, I don't show up to your show. Now, James, I, I, the Who Would Win show has done live shows and gotten paid pretty well for doing these live shows at these events. Where's the check? That's what I have to ask. And why are you so unworthy of time that you would go without being paid? Listen, I'm going there for some business networking. It's what I do. And who says I'm not getting paid? By the way, I just assumed yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a bad thing to do because I am getting paid, getting paid quite handsomely, by the way. But here's- exposure doesn't count, James. I learned that lesson in 2008. Race to Cadis. Do you know who I am? Have you ever have we ever met before? You think I get paid in exposure? Really? That's what you think? I'm getting paid in cash, but I got some great news. I actually have another badge, another invite, if you will, professional invite for one more person. Ray. Convince me. Why should you come to Comic-Con? Convince you, please. I'm the better half of the Who Would Win show that you uh, uh, use the name of to make 9,000 other projects happen in your life. And if you think that I'm not the reason for all the success of James Gavsey, even before you met me, then you are woefully mistaken. So I don't need to sell myself. I sell myself by existing. You need to sell me, literally, you need to sell me. You need to get me a check, and that's what I will show up. Ray, you have convinced me that I should maybe ask our guest judge if he's doing anything this weekend. Maybe he'd like to come to Comic-Con. He seems like a fun guy, and I think he wants to get paid well. All right, here's the deal. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show is pro wrestler extraordinaire, actor, and comedy performer. It's none other than Tyler Davidson. Tyler, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you so much. It's it's been a minute. I'm I'm happy to be here, and I'm I'm so excited about this pairing. It's such a as as you have said something that has uh, never before been pondered, and so I'm curious to see where you guys go with this. You know, it, I, I've been telling people all the time the reason why the Hoodwin Show is so popular and does what it does is because we literally ignore all of the kind of important things happening in the world, and instead we focus on the things that matter, such as who would win a fight between Freakazoid and Apocalypse. These are the issues that people should be talking about because they bring people together. That's all I'm saying. Now, if you put this battle on C-SPAN, you would break records of viewership. (laughs) The sponsorship between Metamucil and, I don't know, Marvel Comics. and I mean, just it's crazy. Now, Tyler, before we get into all this, tell the Legion of Audience, our faithful fan base, what you've been up to. Oh, man. Yeah, I've over the over the last few years, I've really uh, dove. Dived, dove into the world of uh, immersive theater, experimental theater, specifically experimental horror. The last couple of years, I've performed with a show called Delusion, 
over the course of the Halloween season. It's one of the premier interactive shows out here. Uh, most recently, I was part of the LA run of Stranger Things, The Experience. And so, yeah, things like that. I've been really kind of getting getting my feet wet in that world. That's very cool. Now, before the show, Tyler, you said something kind of interesting and a little scary to me, that you're a massive Freakazoid fan. Is that correct? I was a huge Freakazoid fan growing up. Absolutely. Great. So I just got to cut to you know the chase. Let's bring on the brass axe here. Can you be that judge we need for today's episode? Can you set aside your personal biases, if that's the right way of saying it, and be very neutral, judge fairly, you know, judge it down the line for this epic battle today? Look, I'll tell you something right now. Next month is going to be my 23-year anniversary of my very first match in pro wrestling. But I'll tell you this, before I was ever a wrestler, I was a referee. So I will call it right down the middle. I love it. All right. Listen, I like this kind of battle because it can go anywhere. So let's just uh, cut to the chase and get to it. And it will. It will. I'm sure of it. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics. The mutant who was definitely not worthy of his Oscar, Apocalypse. And representing Warner Brothers, the hero who's the most nonsensical thing to happen in Washington, D.C. since the Star Wars program, Freakazoid. <laughs> well done right now. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Listen, I'm going to cut. I'll, I'll just say this it is. This is Apocalypse from the Marvel 616 universe. I'm going with the comic book version. That's the version you got to go to in this kind of battle. Right. Is there is there a, another version of Freakazoid other than the animated version? Like, what, what's going on with Freakazoid for this episode? You know, you'll never believe it, but Freakazoid was a DC Comics character and has appeared in DC Comics properties. And that's why I will be using the animated version of Freakazoid. I think that's a smart call. All right, rule number four. Demeters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you download and listen to podcasts. It is summertime, and that means get-togethers. It means swimsuit weather, and HelloFresh has got you covered. Why don't you make your home the hangout place this summer with crowd-pleasing eats from a backyard bratwurst bar to tangy key lime pie? HelloFresh Market makes summer entertaining a cinch for you. And let's face it, you want to eat well this summer, right? If you're going to be showing off your body, potentially. Well, HelloFresh's menu features calorie smart and protein smart lunch and dinner options, plus new vegan dinners to choose from as well, so you get some variety. HelloFresh makes it easy to reach your food goals with flavorful recipes that leave you feeling satisfied. And let's say, for example, you want dinner fast. You could just get it delivered, but let's face facts, that's not always fast, is it? But you can think of HelloFresh. With their fast and fresh recipes, they're going to be ready in just 15 minutes or less. 
Plus, HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout. What's the deal? I've used HelloFresh in the past. I enjoy getting a box of meals sent to me because I like going on the website or the app or however you choose to do it, right? And I like to go on there and I like to look through all the meals. And HelloFresh has a ton of meals to pick from. And I like to pick things that I've never made before, right? I like to pick dishes that blow my mind. Like I look at the picture and I say, I don't know how I could possibly make that. I can't even conceive of what that is. And then I order it and then I do it. And that's the way that you help improve yourself, right? Improve your knowledge base. Reach out with food. It's possible with HelloFresh. I will speak to that myself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 and use code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash WWW50 using code WW50 for 50% off plus free shipping. It's a great deal for some great food with America's number one meal kit. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Freakazoid. Freakazoid is an animated hero in the Animaniacs family of WB cartoons. He was created by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and voiced by Paul Rugg. And he first appeared in the Freakazoid episode one, five day forecast slash dance of doom slash Handman in 1995. Dexter Douglas was an ordinary computer geek until one day a special sequence of keyboard presses overloaded the brand new pinnacle chip in his computer, causing him to be sucked into the internet. This gave him enhanced strength, speed, endurance, and provided him with all the compiled knowledge of the entire internet circa 1995. Now with the simple words freak in and freak out, Dexter can transform into his silly yet powerful alter ego. Fun fact, Steven Spielberg was the executive producer of Freakazoid, which was originally supposed to be a normal action hero show with a little bit of comedy sprinkled throughout. This is why the team of Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, you know, the guys behind Batman, the animated series, were on hand to do it. However, Spielberg reconsidered the show and wanted it instead to be a full-blown comedy show mild superhero elements so tim and Deanie stepped down from those roles as that's just not in their wheelhouse to do so as crazy and wild as freakazoid gets just to remember 
that originally it was intended to be a generally straight-laced hero show until Steven Spielberg made the Batman crew leave the room. That is freakazoid. Can you imagine how different things could have been? And by the way, I don't know if this would have made the character better or worse. It would have because been far worse. I don't know. He had a run of what, two seasons maybe or mm. one and a half seasons? No, he got I'd... two seasons, definitely. Yeah, and, the and thing... then he had a resurgence in the late 90s on Cartoon Network, right? Yeah, Where... he, he made cameos in a lot of stuff we'll talk about because that's all canon, I'm sure. Uh, when you have a character like Freakazoid, it's all canon. Um, and yep, uh, the, the, no the thing it. to say, though, is that I rewatched a lot of Freakazoid to prepare for this, and I laughed out loud more than I do when I watch most comedies produced in the year 2023. Can I just be real? I was surprised at how unbelievably funny this show held up to be. That's what happens with the classics. They're timeless. That kinda, is very cool. True. That is true. All right. Now, here are the details for Apocalypse. Apocalypse, whose real name is En Sabanur, which is Arabic for the Seven Lights, was, it was created by writer Louise Simonson. He first appeared in X-Factor number five, which was published in June 1986. Apocalypse is one of the most formidable villains in the Marvel Universe. Born in ancient Egypt around 3000 BC, he is believed to be the first mutant with his powers manifesting during adolescence. Abandoned due to his unusual physical characteristics, he was found by a band of desert nomads known as the Sandstormers. Their leader, Baal, recognized the potential power within the child and raised him as his own, naming him En Sabanur, or his, by his nickname, the First One. As he grew, his powers emerged, and he was imbued with superhuman strength, immortality, and the ability to manipulate his form at a molecular level. Over the centuries, Apocalypse used his powers to influence civilizations, often posing as a god. His philosophy of survival by the fittest led him to instigate wars and conflicts, believing that struggle and adversity would weed out the weak and ensured the evolution of superior beings. He has often come into conflict with the X-Men and other superheroes, viewing their protection of the weak as a hindrance to evolution. Apocalypse is also known for creating the Four Horsemen, powerful mutants or superhumans whom he enhances and manipulates to serve him. One thing is for sure, Apocalypse's immense power and immortality ensured that he remains a constant threat to the entire Marvel Universe. And here's an interesting fact about Freakazoid. Did you know that Freakazoid may have been responsible for the con continuation of the Batman animated series in the late 90s? It's true, maybe. Now, here's the thing. It piggybacks off Ray's really cool fun fact, because Bruce Tim, as Ray said, even admitted that although he was attached to the project of Freakazoid, he decided to just sit back and let Steven Spielberg's team do his thing. However, Bruce Tim's desire for a more serious character may have reignited his desire to continue telling the animated Batman stories, and thus, the Batman series continued in the mid-90s, followed by the Superman series, followed by Batman Beyond, the Zeta Project, Static Shock, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. So, and there's no other way to say it, thanks, Freakazoid. He gave us all those cool things. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Tyler, do you have any questions before we get started? See, I have one question before we get started. You said that Apocalypse created the Four Horsemen, the wrestling stable of Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Tully Blanchard in the well, NWA. He created no the Four Horsemen? No, he, okay, hold on, hold on. Apocalypse is great. Let's not credit him with creating something that powerful okay no, his i just okay I, yeah. I i was i was shocked and i wanted to make sure i had it right in my mind no like he created the, another version and some of the characters used were the hulk wolverine angel now known as archangel ah. yeah nowhere near so Let's less just, powerful let, characters yes yes absolutely obviously, obviously not not an nwa or wcw tag team championship amongst them no way are they ever close let's just no connection to jj dylan none whatsoever all right. With that being said, Tyler, do you have any questions before we get started? 
No, no questions. I'm I'm looking forward to going going into this with a uh, completely blank slate. Love it. All right, let's get this party started. Ray, go ahead and hit us for your point number one. Point number one for Freakazoid. Now, yeah, we're going to talk about, of course, his tune force, his wacky powers, and all of that. But I just want to start by creating a baseline for Freakazoid because he is a super powered character, and that cannot be denied. Before we get into the craziness, right? Uh, he walks around every one of his episodes like he's doing Robin Williams' stand-up act, where he's just sort of like sh shambling around, making joke after joke after joke, and making fun of people, and then they just sort of stand there, uh, mouth agape. And I kind of see Apocalypse was going to be falling victim to this as well. I can see Freakazoid showing up on the scene, and then uh, just moving around, grabbing things, using props, honking his nose, and Apocalypse standing there getting madder and madder, and not really knowing what to do about it. Like, you get captured in a certain insanity when Freakazoid enters the scene. A little Jerry Lewis mixed in there, too, but as far as the basics go, he's very, very strong. This is a guy who kicks people and knocks them well out of frame. I watched him just take human bodies and either check them with his hip or kick them or push them and have them just go absolutely flying through the air with the greatest of ease. This is a guy who can just knock doors off of their frames entirely. Just clean break on every door that he kicks. In fact, one scene I saw, he was kicking door after door after door, completely blowing them out. And then a, a graphic appeared on screen saying, doors destroyed so far, five. And that's who he is. He grabs and tosses large enemies as well. Uh, like he's fought dinosaurs before. And he's grabbed them and thrown them like a city block away. He also, in one of my favorite strength feats, he was trapped in a future prison and decided he was leaving, so he just standard walked through the prison bars, shattering the bars as he just walked through them in this future tech prison on a spaceship. What is happening? He's also fast. He can dodge. He's dodged electricity attacks before. Of course, he's dodged machine guns. He moves so fast on the show sometimes that it's actually blurry to watch him do the fighting. That means he has FTE speed in combat, faster than the eye can see. He also has been known to be so fast on foot that he catches up to getaway cars who are trying to drive away from him at full speed. And his endurance. This is a guy who's taken big hits from big enemies and simply shrugged it off and been able to keep going. And that's before we really even consider the Toon Force, right? A character named Vorn the Unspeakable, who, uh, you know, I don't know if he's apocalypse adjacent, but he is sort of like a big bad. He's green. Uh, he's sort of alien looking and he pulled the Hulk Loki move decades before the Avengers movie pulled the Hulk Loki move and grabbed him by the ankles and slammed him into the ground all around him, creating craters on the ground, eventually sticking him head first in one of those holes and then bashing the bottom of his feet to drive him in further. And Freakazoid was able to walk off that damage. Loki couldn't, but Freakazoid could. He's also fallen from very tall buildings, landed on the concrete, no problem at all. Electricity, if you're coming at him with any kind of electrical attacks, he's been there, done that with multiple villains. He's been fried many, many times. Being electrocuted is one of the funniest things that can happen to somebody if they're in a cartoon. So of course, Freakazoid has been electrocuted many times and walked away safely every time. And maybe the most impressive feat that I found, he survived an 800 megaton nuclear bomb to the face. He was standing next to an 800 megaton nuke when it exploded, and he walked away from that. If you can survive an 800 megaton nuke, if you can knock people off screen with just moving your hips slightly, this is a character that Apocalypse might not have answers for, 
We got a reckoning, and that's my point number one. Yeah, you know, Freakazoid is insanely powerful, and the way you're describing it, that is something Apocalypse has dealt with almost on a daily basis for thousands of years. Everything you just listed, as impressive as it is, there's two problems with it. Again, Apocalypse has seen that, done that, been there, done that, not a problem. And secondly, these are all impressive for the mid-1990s. Things have evolved. People have become more powerful, more intricate. Now they use tactics and strategies, something that Freakazoid is really, really lacking, I hate to say. That's probably why I like that the, the series so much, because he still accomplishes cool things despite having no tactics and real strategies involved. And with that being said, that's actually led to his downfall in certain episodes. More on that later. By the way, Ray, I really loved your, your comparison and strength. You said that he's able to kick someone or even hip check them off screen. He's that powerful and even more impressive because that's what you do in your next point. He also kicked doors off hinges. I'd actually kind of in your debating style, I would just reverse that a little bit because like kicking a door off a hinge. Not that impressive. James, wait a minute. This is the freakazoid battle. If I don't subvert your expectations, I'm doing it wrong. Right, right. My expectations are always somewhere between low and very low between nothing. Don't worry. Yeah. No, nothing to be subverted here. And yet Good you use keep that word. getting your butt handed to you. Do I, though? Do I, though? Let's see what happens. All right, let me get to my point number one. And for point, my point number one with Apocalypse, let's just start with these powers. You know, here's the thing. I mentioned before, Apocalypse, or I may have mentioned before, Apocalypse has so many powers, it's easier to actually kind of say what he can't do as opposed to what he can. But with that said, let's list them anyway. Now, first of all, this guy's immortal. As in, he's lived for thousands of years. He can't be permanently killed. You may be able to put him down, but he has many ways to come back to the fight because he literally can't die. And this may be because he has the power of resurrection. This is fun, kids, which means if you do bring him close to a death-like state, which is insanely hard to do, he resurrects himself back to health. That's awesome. So how does he do it? Well, that's due to his main power, the power he started off with, which is, it's actually called self-atomic manipulation, which sounds a little wrong if you think about it, but it's a thing he does. So he has control over the atomic structure of his own body. He can alter it any way he wants to absolutely instantly. This means he can biomorph, which is a fancy way of saying he can elongate his arms and body like plastic man, dodge out of the way of attacks by creating weird holes in himself so things can pass through him. He can transform his arms and fists into weapons like claws, axes, swords, tentacles, maces, and shields. And he can transform his body into weapons like range weapons, like plasma cannons. So he can hit uh, Freakazoid from afar or hit him close up. Oh, and he can separate and reattach his own body parts. So if he needs a massive sword, sword, he'll turn his hand into one and then grow another arm to hold and use it and use the sword to fight. It's crazy. By the way, he can turn his arms into wings or turn his whole body into a rocket, which means he can fly. And he can also use his power to disguise himself as something or someone else to confuse his opponents. I wonder if Freakazoid ever gets confused. Hmm, let's figure that out now. But there's a lot more. He has the power of regeneration where he can heal from almost anything instantly. Upper body gets separated from the lower body. He can reattach it. Not a big deal. Need to regrow a leg? Done. Find yourself reduced to a single drop of blood like Apocalypse did that one time? No problem, as he can regenerate himself completely and very quickly from that. Now, here's a fun one. He can shrink or he can grow to any size he wants. How? He can take on additional mass or get rid of it by somehow tapping into the mass of another dimension. He can just add it. Crazy thing. He also has the power of matter manipulation, which means he can change and alter someone's molecular makeup into crazy things. His favorite party trick is use that power to disintegrate an opponent just by touching them. Boom, you're gone. He's got superhuman durability. We're talking about someone who easily tank punches from Thor and the Hulk. 
He's so durable that he can exist literally in any environment you can think of, underwater, space, doesn't matter, because he's fine wherever he finds himself. He's got superhuman endurance where this is fun. It's not known if he can ever get tired. He literally doesn't know what it feels like to be tired. I love this guy. He's also got superhuman speed and reflexes. To what extent is unknown? He's not a speedster. Let me just put it out there. I'd say it's, you know, not as fast as Spider-Man, but definitely faster than Captain America. But my favorite one of his, how we call standard powers, is his super strength. Now, in Marvel, the physically strongest characters are listed typically at class 100, where they can press 100 tons overhead. overhead. Apocalypse starts that level and then can bring it much, much insanely higher. Again, this is due to his ability to draw on some type of outside energy source to make him stronger. To put it mildly, he's someone who hasn't just physically fought the Hulk. He's actually restrained the Hulk, just kind of kept him in a bear hug. The Hulk couldn't move. The anger he got didn't matter. Apocalypse hit him there. As in, he physically restrained the Hulk. That is crazy. Look, there's so much to love about Apocalypse. He often gets ignored in your top 10 villains list, but you shouldn't sleep on this guy, and neither should Freakazoid. That's my point number one. Very, very interesting. You know, a few things I want to say here. Apocalypse is a very impressive character. He's very humorless, though. And I think that could be his ultimate downfall in a battle against a character like Freakazoid, who is begging to fight humorless individuals who cannot compete with his wit and his charm and his ability to, of course, bend the laws of time and space. We'll get to that in my point number three. Now, you said Apocalypse can't die, but of course, Freakazoid doesn't really kill, does he? So that's really not a big deal. In fact, I could see a situation I'll bring up later where Freakazoid could actually entrap Apocalypse and and I'll hold him in something, which means his regenerative abilities would not matter whatsoever. The other thing is I'm looking at the uh, the Marvel wiki. I brought it up again for Apocalypse. Look, they go on a, ra- a rating of one to seven and he ranks sevens across the board. He's a very powerful character. Oh, wait, durability. He's only a six. There's his weakness. This is a character you can eventually beat down if given enough force. And if you can trap him somewhere, I think you got a shot in this one. Think about that for later points. That's all I have to say about that. All good stuff. I like where we're starting with this battle, but we got to see what our judge has to say. So Tyler, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this fight? It's, you know, at, at first I was, I was a little worried, you know, uh, Apocalypse uh, does sound insanely overpowered, but I, I really liked the, uh, the point that Ray just brought up that if you could feasibly trap him, that that regenerative ability would, you know, kind of be moot. And so, you know, things are looking pretty, pretty even. I'm very curious to see what the, the following points are. So I'm going to withhold any sort of, um, biases just yet. But uh, it's looking like a very interesting matchup. Very cool. All right. I love where this is going. Ray, go ahead and hit us your point number two. Point number two for Freakazoid. Let's talk about some of his gadgets and more wild powers. Uh, before we get into full-blown Toon Force, we're going to go to into like Toon Force Light because this is one of the characters most well-imbued with Toon Force that I've ever seen. Bugs Bunny thinks Freakazoid has too much Toon Force, and that's saying something. Now, first off, uh, Freakazoid drives in something called the, the Freak Mobile. So he does have his own vehicle. You know, I know Thanos has the Thanos Copter. I don't know if Apocalypse has the Apocalypse Speedboat, but I think he should. I would love to see him on a jet ski uh, out there riding the waves. That would be fantastic. But the Freak Mobile also has its own level of Toon Force. In one episode, there was a giant, like a gloved, like a hamburger helper hand that came out on a spring from his car. Now he's in Washington, D.C. That spring stretched and stretched and stretched all the way to the Great Wall of China, 
where it grabbed off a chunk of the wall and brought it back to the car, literally halfway around the entire world without even thinking about it. It's also, by the way, crashed into a donut shop and been totally fine. So it can take a lot of damage as well. But if it doesn't, good news, Freakazoid has a garage where he has like 20 of them. He has so, I was shocked when I saw that clip. He has so many Freakmobiles, it really doesn't matter what happens to a single one. It also had a great combo of he pressed a button that just said, I believe, buzz, and a saw and a magnet came out from the hatches, ripped the top off of a car, and then like magnetized the top away so he could just pull the guy out of the top of the car. Incredible stuff. So if he does have the apocalypse jet ski, or if I'll call it the apocalypse ski do, I'll use branding here. If he has that, he's in trouble if he matches up against the freak mobile. Now, Freakazoid also has it a body that's made of electricity when he wants to. Now, I appreciate that Apocalypse can like manipulate matter, change his own form, but let's face facts, I'll get to it more a little bit later. Point number three is gonna be wild, y'all. But I'll just say that uh, uh, Freakazoid could change his body into electricity, which allows him to move at the speed of literal energy. I don't know if Apocalypse can match a level of speed like that. Uh, maybe fighting against it, but I don't know if he could do it himself. This is a guy who did a crossover with the Teen Titans cartoon series, and the Teen Titans accidentally released him and using his electricity body zipped around the chamber at a speed none of the Teen Titans could comprehend. And that includes like Cyborg and, uh, uh, and Raven. And they couldn't figure out what he was until he appeared as Freakazoid. Not a bad deal when you're moving around. Uh, he also moved from D.C. to Tibet, back to D.C., and took less than a minute to do so. So he can basically have what I would call maybe not flash-level speed, but definitely high-speedster levels when he needs to. He's also a character who can fly. You know, you said Apocalypse can fly. Uh, Freakazoid can fly. Sometimes he can't, and he just puts his two hands up in the air, and he makes jet noises, and he runs around. I don't know, but he's flown enough times for me to say that he can absolutely do it, I guess, unless it's funny to not being able to fly. Why not? Also enhanced senses. Uh, he has a natural, much like the Force in Star Wars, he could feel when things that are involving him are happening out there in the world. Also telekinesis. He can ragdoll toss his enemies through the air whenever he wants to with the powers of his mind teleportation. I seen him run across uh, an alleyway and then suddenly appear behind a guy who was watching him uh, make it happen. Weather manipulation. I've seen him been able to manipulate the weather like storm. And most importantly, Freakazoid can travel into the internet just like he did in his creation story. He could also potentially, given if it's funny enough, bring somebody with him and trap them inside the internet. If you trap Apocalypse, inside the actual internet and leave him there for two minutes, I have to believe there's no way Apocalypse is going to manipulate his way out of that one. And if you keep him alive in there, he's not going to regenerate. If, if we can take you to the internet Apocalypse, especially in 1995, let me tell you from experience, you're in trouble. And that's my point number two. First of all, as a former software developer, I can tell you one thing for sure. The internet from 1995 is not the most sophisticated nor complicated landscape to maneuver. I will not go into any more details. I'll just leave it at that. Now, in terms of how fast Freakazoid is, yeah, he's insanely fast. But here's the thing. Apocalypse has actually dealt with someone who's actually faster than Freakazoid, even when he goes through phone lines and all that kind of good stuff and is his electric, electric form. And that's Quicksilver. In a previous episode of Who Would Win, 
Quicksilver actually runs faster than radio waves, which is faster than the telephone waves that you're going to be traveling on that Freakazoid can do so impressively. So that's not a problem. Apocalypse took out uh, Quicksilver, who runs actually faster, as insane that is, that is than Freakazoid. Now, you've got your Freakmobile. You've got all this cool stuff that uh, Freakazoid can do. you got to remember that, again, Apocalypse has dealt with a whole bunch of this weather manipulation. Yeah, he's dealt with that with Storm, the true Omega mutant-level mutant like Iceman, who deals with all this kind of stuff and does weather manipulation like no one's business on a planetary scale. Yeah, Apocalypse has beaten her as well as the rest of the X-Men. And finally, remember, he's someone who can touch anything, a person, a car, whatever, and instantly re- you know, blow its molecules apart and reduce it. Come at him with a freak, freak mobile. Freak is what come at him directly. It won't matter. He touches you once. You're done. Now, let me get to my point number two. And for my point number two, let's focus on even more abilities and powers that Apocalypse has because he's got some great ones. Now, you talked about some great stuff that Freakazoid can do. I'll see that and match that with what Apocalypse can bring to the table. So he's got psionic manipulation. All that means is he's got some really cool powers based off the insane power of his mind. He's got telekinesis, except his telekinesis allows him to levitate himself, make himself fly, which is really cool. And he can manipulate living beings, inanimate objects, and can even manipulate energy with the power of his mind. This is crazy. His telekinesis is powerful enough to restrain the Hulk in midair. That is crazy. He can also enable himself to fly where he can achieve supersonic velocity with his telekinetic flying. That is nuts. He's got telepathy as well, where he can read and probe people's minds for their weaknesses and greatest fears. This is something that is true to Apocalypse's character. This is why he has so many impressive wins. He sees someone, probes their mind, figures out, and then goes into their mind and sees what they're afraid of, what they've lost to, their previous experiences, and he downloads it. And he's like, got it. I got a plan I can use. This is something he's going to be able to do to Freakazoid because he's done it so long, so many times before. Now, his real cool power is, and I hope I'm pronouncing this properly, is cyberpathy, right? It's something really cool. He's gained the ability to mentally link with and control any kind of tech and machinery he can reach out to, and he's got a great ability to manipulate what's called the cyber world. Yeah, put him in the internet, and guess what? He's using that to his advantage, even the 1995 version, which was really crazy. Now, on top of all this, Apocalypse has obtained some super advanced tech from these beings known as the Celestials. The Celestials created the Inhumans. They're these planetary-sized beings who take on Galactus. They somehow manipulate evolution of beings. These are crazy powerful people or beings, and he took some of their technology and used it for himself. Now, with this technology, he's got some really cool power-ups. He's got the power of energy manipulation. He can cast illusions, memory conjuring in his opponents and targets. He can manipulate and reconstruct matter, and his healing factors can be enhanced even further. Why he needs enhanced healing factors, I don't know. But the fact that he can manipulate and reconstruct matter into whatever he wants is awesome. He can create force fields that are almost impenetrable, even by someone like the Hulk. These force fields are insanely strong. He's got even more powerful energy blasts where he can destroy, like, shoot out destructive energy from any part of his being. And he loves doing the omnidirectional power blast when, you know, whatever someone's running around, whatever, boom, just sends it out in a wave in all directions, takes them out. And these are insanely powerful. Here's a fun one. He's got the power of energy absorption. He can absorb energy from any type of outside source, and then he brings in and augments himself and his overall power. And since Freakazoid's powers are derived from the digital electronic energy of the internet, and he's already got that cyber path, it's easy to see that Apocalypse could absorb and transform Freakazoid either 100% or transform him enough back into Dexter, which is not a good call. He can also teleport, and he can teleport himself from one spot to another close by, or he can teleport himself vast distances across the planet Earth this guy can use teleportation really well. Here's a fun one. He is he can use magic. He can use sorcery. Now, 
to put this in perspective, he uses magic on himself to enhance something he can do. He's not using it like a Doctor Strange to kind of create spells or what have you, but it's still something great that he can use magic on himself to overcome other forms of magic, science, or just physical power. Now, this one's my favorite. It's called Self-Power Bestowal, which according to official Marvel character by the Bio of Apocalypse, it says, due to his total control over his molecular and submolecular structure, further boosted by the celestial technology augmenting him, he can also consciously or spontaneously grant himself new superpowers at will, which means he has my favorite superpower, the superpower of giving himself the ability to duplicate anyone else's superpowers or giving himself new superpowers. How do you fight that? I'll take great tune for us. I'm going to give myself any superpower I want whenever I need to, whether I think about it or not. That's what he's got. Now, on top of powers, Apocalypse is a mega genius, and he's got those forms of super science, including genetic manipulation, advanced tech from the Celestials. He knows how to use that. He's a master strategist and tactician. Remember, this is a guy who's lived for over 5,000 years. He's learned a thing or two. He's also a great fighter. Remember, he's had thousands of years of battle experience, and he's fought everything and anything you can think of from the Marvel Universe, including the craziness of Deadpool and teleporters, weather manipulation. You name it, he's fought it, and he's won. Look, Freakazoid is a comedic and powerful character, but he doesn't have anything that Apocalypse hasn't already seen, dealt with, destroyed, beaten, or made into one of his loyal soldiers, meaning one of the faithful, uh, one of his horsemen. More on that later. All of that is my point number two. It's interesting you brought up Deadpool right there because the only example I could have of them crossing paths was Deadpool working as one of the horsemen. Uh, he must have been the Ric Flair of that team, working for the he worked for Apocalypse, fighting against mutants, not against Apocalypse. I was trying to find some extra examples of Deadpool versus, and they were hard to come by, at least through a cursory search. But, so you say they fought against each other. I would love to hear actual examples of that because near as I could tell, they worked with each other because Deadpool, of course, is a mercenary and likes to go where he won't die, even though he can't. Don't worry about that. Uh, uh, the other things I, I want to talk about right here is the weaknesses. You know, Apocalypse, you know, he's got a hubris. Uh, he was very overconfident as a character. He's very humorless. And let's face it, he's beaten by teams all the time. But if you look at some of the villains that Freakazoid has faced off with being, of course, the Lobe, who is a brain man. You've, of course, got Cave Guy, who is a Hulk-type character, but with manners. Uh, you've got Kid Carrion, Dr. Mystico, Deadpan, a, a very serious character. Armando Gutierrez, who actually mimics Freakazoid's powers, but at a higher level. Uh, Cobra Queen as well. So the point I'm trying to make here is this is a team that could take on a team like the X-Men, a team that could take on a team as, you know, maybe the West Coast Avengers, maybe not the Avenger Avengers, okay? You got to get the right team members in there. Let's face facts. Uh, it's got to happen. But uh, the point I'm trying to make here is that uh, uh, we've both fought, our characters have both fought lots and lots of varied uh, opponents and come out on top against them. Whereas I will say right now, Freakazoid's one weakness is graphite bars charged with negative ions. Don't think that Apocalypse is going to figure that out over the course of a battle. And again, his humorlessness is going to be a problem for him in this battle. Interesting stuff. And I don't disagree with you. Apocalypse had decades to fight, you know, teams of villains, what have you. And Freakazoid had, unfortunately, two seasons in the mid-90s to do the same thing. And we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Tyler tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Tyler has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? 
Uh, today we have a brand new patron, and we got to give him some props right away. This is Mill Orkin. Mill Orkin. Mill Orkin. One of those ways is probably correct. He's our patron of the week. Mill Orkin. All right. Thank you for becoming a member of our Patreon community. Let's give you uh, a really hard battle to start this off. Let's have Mill Orkin go up against the entire Smurf village, including Papa Smurf. Yes, 100 Smurfs with Papa Smurf leading them. Look, uh, let's face facts about this right now. When you're facing 100 Smurfs and Papa Smurfs, you're facing Papa Smurf, the end. We established that in the Papa Smurf versus Handsome Jack episode. The other Smurfs are there for window dressing and flavor, sometimes literally. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is Milarkin has a very unique strategy when it comes to these battles. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Magic the Gathering lately, and I'm, com and I'm comfortable to talk about this strategy. It's very much about uh, eating the clock and waiting for your opponent to uh, uh, to run out of time. This is called the mill strategy. And he used mill orkin, and he uses the mill strategy on the Smurf village. So he's constantly causing them to take two Smurfs off the battlefield. Two Smurfs off the battlefield. Two Smurfs, and they're fighting back and forth. He's holding his own. He's not winning, he's not losing, but he's constantly removing Smurfs from the battlefield until finally the only two left would be Papa Smurf and of course, uh, Brainy Smurf. And Brainy Smurf, of course, turns and he says, Papa Smurf always says, and then he gets milled off the table as well. He's gone. We don't have to hear that impression even a little bit. Papa Smurf gets very, very worried because he realizes you get milled in pairs and there he goes. Suddenly, Milorkin sitting on a battlefield with no Smurfs working just fine. The strategy does work. Congratulations, Milorkin. You took the day from the entire Smurf village, but can you feel good about it? I believe he can because he used the uh, Leonidas uh, method of the 300 movie uh, style of fighting. This is how you fight the Smurfs. Well done, Milorkin. Yeah. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of who would win. Now, back to the turning point. Tyler, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Uh, these are... Absolutely incredible arguments, and I'm having a, a hell of a time with this. I think the thing that it, that, that it comes down to right now for me, Ray mentioned uh, earlier uh, a point about the possibility of Freakazoid potentially trapping Apocalypse in the internet. And I think there's something to be said about, uh, there's a few things at, at play here. For one, there's something to be said about, I think, Dexter Douglas being a 1995-era hacker in the vein of maybe a Johnny Lee Miller or a Matthew Lillard from the uh, fantastic movie Hackers. That's such a specific set of knowledge that may potentially elude Apocalypse. I think there's also something we said for being able to do something if it's funny. Like Apocalypse, we, we have said, is a bit humorless. And I think there's something, something to be said for Freakazoid potentially having a power to do something if it's funny. And so I think that these are very interesting sort of meta versus cosmic level kind of powers. I think right now the edge for me is maybe going with Freakazoid, but I'm, I'm curious to see where we're going with this. This is interesting because this tune force, this, you know, hey, if I break you by making you laugh, this is a serious threat. This is something that's kind of crazy, but I think I got an answer for it, but we'll see what is happening here. Ray, hit us with your point number three. I love a judge who listens, right? I don't think that Apocalypse would be stuck in 1995 internet forever 
but could he get stuck in there for two minutes worth before he figures out what's going on and escapes? I think 100% yes. And let's talk about Toon Force because this is where Freakazoid brings it home. As I said before, when he gets on scene with a villain, he's sort of like a stand-up comedian working the stage, making gags while everybody else, including the villain, just stops and stares at him and doesn't know what to do. That could be Apocalypse's downfall in this battle because nobody can seem to stop Freakazoid mid-gag. If he's doing a bit, much like, and I wish this was the case in Hollywood, and he's in the middle of a bit, no one interrupts him. They let him finish the bit, James, and they let him get the words out. It's amazing, but if Apocalypse is standing around waiting for Freakazoid to do something, he's going to take an anvil or a mallet to the head and could be in trouble. Let's also remember, Freakazoid can impersonate celebrities and sometimes get away with convincing other people that he's Oprah Winfrey or David Letterman or anybody else who was famous back in 1995. He also has stretching powers. You said Apocalypse has stretching powers. Well, I've also seen uh, a Freakazoid stretch as well. You know, we mentioned that he was able to stretch his car's hand to the Great Wall of China. I've seen him like reach across an entire like city to grab something that he needs and pull it back for when he needs it. Huge power when you're improvising, especially. Now he could also use his Toon Force to body manipulate. He can grow himself to Kaiju size if he needs to for any moment. We've seen it before. The Toon Force allows him to get smashed, crushed, de deconstructed in any way, and also reform. That's a big deal because Apocalypse is just going to like try to disintegrate him. What happens when Freakazoid gets turned to dust, and then that dust reforms him as a bigger version of Freakazoid? Very legitimately, that's a thing that he can do. And I'm just I'm not even talking, I'm talking about damage he's done to himself. I've never seen a more self-offensive a self-damaging character who bounces back to his own damage, but I've seen him melt into a literal puddle on the ground and then reform. I saw him in that very first episode, uh, put his thumb in his mouth and then suck all of his insides into tightness. Uh, so he was like this rail thin character and then he blew himself back out again. He's also a character who can create objects out of thin air. Toon force. I've seen him create bombs, time bombs, hammers, funny signs, an entire toll booth. If this is a guy who needs an item or it would be funny, again, to drop one anvil on Apocalypse's head or drop a thousand anvils on Apocalypse's head. I could see Apocalypse getting buried under a sea of anvils if that's what Freakazoid thought would be funny. But also he can break the fourth wall. This is why the Deadpool point is so important to me. I need examples of when they fought because if they haven't, you can't use it in this battle. Fourth walls shattered constantly in Freakazoid. He's actually spoken to the actors of the characters that he's opposing on screen. So I could see him turning to Apocalypse and asking him a question about the new Star Wars sequels as Oscar Isaac. That explains that joke earlier. And also Apocalypse not necessarily having an answer for it, being taken off guard. He's controlled, Freakazoid has, the narrator of his own show and if the narrator says something happens, then something happens. And if Freakazoid is in control of the narrator, Apocalypse could find himself in a lot of trouble. He's also talked to the audience or cameraman. Let's face it, if Freakazoid goes down for two minutes, but he makes the cameraman not cover it, did it actually happen? Question. I've also seen him, and this is relative to New Times, Freakazoid beat up an executive who messed with one of the segments on his show, and he did it on the show. Boy, 
Given the events of the outside world right now, how many characters and actors would love the opportunity to take executives and punch them in the nose on their own shows? He's also interrupted his own show with his own news reports. Let's say Apocalypse gets Freakazoid in an absolutely unwinnable situation with Toon Force, with that fourth wall break. Freakazoid could cut the action there, cut to himself behind a news desk reporting that Freakazoid is in trouble to say, oh, he got out of it, cut back to the scene, and now he's suddenly out of that problem. Fourth wall breaking is no joke. And the last thing to mention, he opened an email in real life, a big thing, like I said at the beginning, where the one and the button happens, and he pressed it and started reading viewer emails. Uh, Look, if you're reading viewer emails while the show is actually happening, this is some of the most impressive fourth wall breaking I've ever seen in my entire life. Apocalypse does not have an answer for that, and that's why eventually he's going down to Freakazoid, and that's my point number three. Okay, some interesting things. So let me kind of address the whole Deadpool thing. So what I'm referring to is the Age of Apocalypse. Now, this is an alternate timeline, but it's still considered very much canon within the Marvel Universe, and this is where everyone, and I mean everyone, is now either working for or is conquered by Apocalypse. He's running North America and pretty much taking over the world, doing all this kind of good stuff. Deadpool is there, which means he has been conquered by Apocalypse. That you know either means that there was a fight or something happened, but Deadpool is now someone who is under the influence, employ, or is conquered by Apocalypse. Pretty much, pretty cool thing right there. Now, on top of that, you talked about the Toon Force, which is great, but here's the problem with the Toon Force. It gets counteracted by the lack of plot armor that would really be beneficial to Freakazoid for this type of battle. Remember, who would win is you know a random encounter neutral location. You only have to do, you know, incapacitate your opponent for two minutes. Well, in almost every episode of Precozoid, here's what happens. He faces off against the villain. He gets trapped or somehow inca- incapacitated. His powers get taken, whatever it is. And then for the entire episode, he's trying to figure it out. And maybe he does at the end. He comes up with a win, figures something out, or luck happens to him or whatever. But it's way more than the two minutes needed to actually win this, you know, who would win contest. So, Or it's way more than the two minutes. So all Apocalypse has to do is go into a Precozoid episode. Let him wait it out because the first two minutes, this guy's getting captured and he's getting captured quick. Now, finally, if Apocalypse is somehow, I don't know, you know, in front of Oprah Winfrey or David Letterman, two iconic stars from the 90s, here's the thing. He's never starstruck. So all of a sudden he's fighting Freakazoid and there's Oprah Winfrey or David Letterman. He's like, I I know who you are. I don't care. He might even try to hurt them even more than he was trying to hurt Freakazoid. Just putting that out there. That's the thing. All right. Let me get to my point number three. And for my point number three for Freakazoid, let's talk about the weaknesses of Freakazoid, because he's got a few, and again, it's an amazing character, but he's got some really fun uh, weaknesses. First of all, he's got a real lack of focus. He's like Race to Canis when he's looking up at the Burger King menu, trying to figure out what he can buy and just not come to a decision. So Freakazoid suffers from what I call the shiny red ball syndrome, where you know, you're know you thinking about one thing and a shiny red ball rolls by you and you immediately start paying attention to that instead. Yeah, Freakazoid has a real problem with staying focused, especially during a fight. He's got a dependency on the internet. That's a thing. So his, all of his powers come from the energy of the internet. And there are instances where being cut off from the internet or electricity weakens him or even removes his powers. Look, we live in LA and access to the internet is sketchy at best. And don't forget that Apocalypse has the power of cyberpathy, which means he can control access to the internet, throttle it down to horribly low speeds like Spectrum or DirecTV does on a regular basis, or just completely disconnect Freakazoid from the internet somehow just like DirecTV or Spectrum does on a frequent basis. And as I mentioned, Apocalypse can absorb energy. So yeah, and also Freakazoid's powers, they're tied to his emotional state. 
when he's stressed or anxious or under attack, his powers become unstable or sometimes even just disappear. And he's also dumb, as in very dumb. One of my favorite episodes, he's facing up against a villain named Armando Gutierrez, voiced by the iconic Ricardo Montalban, which was so cool. And Armando, while trying to determine Freakazoid's weaknesses, asks him directly, what is your secret weakness? And smash cut to Freakazoid trapped in a cage where he says that not only did he reveal his weakness, but I'm so dumb because I actually helped you build the cage I'm now currently finding myself trapped in. And his greatest vulnerability, the one that completely takes him out of a fight, his little kryptonite is poo gas. Yeah, I said it. Farting evidently completely renders Freakazoid powerless. Just putting it out there. I'm not saying that's something Apocalypse is going to do. I just think it's a fun thing about Freakazoid. And really, his greatest weakness, now that I think about it, is that his powers can get absorbed and taken away from him. This has happened to him many times on the show. He's energy-based, and this is something Apocalypse has done over and over again, taking away someone's power. So he's got that plot armor, which is not great. He's got this Tomb Force, which is fueled by these energy-based electrical powers, which, again, can be taken away and absorbed by Apocalypse, and then where he might all of a sudden take on Freakazoid's powers and mannerisms. This is crazy. Now, in terms of big wins, Apocalypse has beaten Quicksilver, the Hulk, Thor, the X-Men, Magneto, Professor X, He's beaten certain Celestials, you know, those planet-sized things that take on Galactus. He's beaten an Inhumans, which includes Black Bolt, their king, you know, that guy who with a whisper can destroy a mountain. He's even beaten the X-Men and Inhumans at the same time. And the age of the Apocalypse iconic story, I already mentioned this, he's very much taken over the world and has the X-Men characters as his loyal soldiers. But here's the thing. He doesn't just defeat his opponents. Oh, no. He does something much better. Through his powers and his tech, he turns them into his four horsemen, his personal guard, you know, war, famine, pestilence, and death. And to put this in perspective, he turned Wolverine and Gambit into death at separate times. Hulk was turned into war. Sunfire was turned into famine. Polaris, uh, Polaris, Magneto's daughter, was turned into pestilence. He did the same thing with uh, Mr. Sinister, who was from the 18th century or whatever. He likes to turn people's, people he's fighting into his you know, horsemen of the apocalypse, his, his, his warriors, his minions, if you will. And he does this by that energy transfer I just mentioned, where he can take energy. He can also manipulate someone else's matter and energy as well. So, Here's how this fight goes down. They're going to face off. Freakazoid, he's going to be unpredictable. He's cracking awesome jokes. He's just doing what he does. He launches himself at Apocalypse in all these crazy ways. Zips around, you know, this the, the Apocalypse. He's delivering a flurry of blows with jokes. His speed is leaving a trail of after images because he's so fast. He uses his cartoonish abilities to their fullest. He's stretching his limbs to land impossible hits, even attempting to trap Apocalypse in a painted tunnel on a brick wall because that's something he would do. And the city is echoing with his wild laughter as he turns the battle into this crazy, I don't know, spectacle of, of slapstick comedy, for lack of a better term. However, amidst all of this, Apocalypse just remains really stoic because he's not really trying to laugh or whatever. He's actually just studying the heck out of Freakazoid. He's understanding all the variables. He's faced off against people like this before, but Freakazoid's a little bit different. He's analyzing. He's probing his mind. He's finding his weaknesses. And that's when all of his 5,000 years of experience kicks in. And after that, what he does is he just all of a sudden uses his matter manipulation, his energy absorption, and takes the powers away from Freakazoid and adapt to puts them into himself. Then he punches Dexter into a wall, taking him out. That is something he would do. At the very end, he uses it and turns Freakazoid into one of his horsemen called Death by Diarrhea. That's right. Death by Diarrhea is Freakazoid is one of his horsemen. And Freakazoid now follows Apocalypse like he was a puppy because he couldn't be happier because now his former weakness to poo gas is completely gone. And that's just one way Apocalypse gets the win. That's why Freakazoid loses. That's why Apocalypse wins. That's my point number three. I disagree completely with those uh, possibilities, James. Please, 
First off, I didn't actually hear that specific example I asked for, did I, Tyler, of him beating Deadpool? He just says, well, he's working for him. Well, Wade Wilson's a mercenary. You could pay him and he'd work for you. So that doesn't mean he won in a fight. You have to do a lot of uh, jumping of thoughts there to make that work. I asked for something. James did not deliver it. Boy, that's a rarity on the show. I also i am sad that you brought up Pugas. I was really hoping we could go through the entire episode without mentioning his big weakness to Pugas. I would argue that yes, Pugas, and I want to say Pugas again because Pugas is an important thing. Uh, Pugas is uh, Pugas, which is also uh, something that will not happen with Apocalypse, who is humorless. When was the last time Apocalypse farted in a, in a fight? We, have we ever seen Apocalypse emit uh, gas? This is a guy who holds... That's why he's so uptight all the time. He's holding it all inside of him. He doesn't want to let it out until no one's looking. So I don't think that the poo gas will be an issue here. Now, taking powers away, yes, that is something Apocalypse can do. But Freakazoid only has things happen to him when they're funny. Is it funny to take away Freakazoid's powers and punch Dexter through a wall? I don't think that it is. I think it's funnier for Freakazoid to do his own thing, run his own gambit, do crazy things right there. And I can see Apocalypse trying to do it and being flustered by the fact that it won't work. The way this actually goes is that Apocalypse is all powerful. He's got a bunch of stuff going for him. Freakazoid shows up and Freakazoid takes over the scene. He's doing monologues. He's doing jokes. He's doing sight gags. He's doing impressions. And Apocalypse is standing in the back Unable to see what's... He just doesn't get it. He's, these are all references. He might be 5,000 years old. Boy, you think your grandmother has trouble catching references from today. Imagine if she was 5,000 years old. I think Apocalypse finally, after a while, tries to finally do an offensive move during one of the breaks. And Freakazoid, of course, traps him inside the 1995 internet, holding him in there for two minutes and one second, which is enough to win a who-would-win battle Put that crown on my head. Freakazoid takes this down. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I think we're both going to be able to debate this fight for another 18 points, but we can't because we got to come to a decision. So, Tyler, uh, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself. It's time for you to make a decision, you know, the way that you can. This is why you're back on the show. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Freakazoid and Apocalypse. I, I've got to say, you guys have not uh, given me an easy job here. As I said before, you know, it, it really is. Uh, Toon Force is something that I wasn't familiar with until this episode, but it really is this sort of, you know, meta textual, almost cosmic uh, power in and of itself that can, yeah, as you've demonstrated, can be argued to be on par with these sort of cosmic abilities that Apocalypse has. My thought process, my sort of deliberation at first was, you know, all of these things could happen feasibly if they were funny. But James, as, as you astutely pointed out, Freakazoid can be kind of an idiot because it's funny. Here's how I see it going down. You know, we, we talked before about how things could and potentially happen if they were funny. I feel like it's, it's maybe like a, a Roger Rabbit kind of rule. You know, you can invoke the power of something if it's funny. And Apocalypse, not for nothing, has just centuries and centuries of knowledge and tactics and things like that. And you got to think, 
at some point, some humor might have slipped in there. You can't be funny without being brilliant. And so Apocalypse, who knows? You know, it could be a thing where Freakazoid traps him in the 1995 internet, as we have said, and keeps him there for the who would win requisite, you know, two minutes. But right at the last second, at the buzzer, a minute and 59 seconds, Apocalypse manages to get out and and just absolutely bombs Freakazoid into oblivion because nobody would see it coming and that would be really funny. As as much as it pains me to say it, I, I've got to give this one to Apocalypse. And there you have it, uh. ladies and gentlemen. Listen, this was an uphill battle from day number one when this matchup was announced. I'm like, how am I going to get this? How am I going to pull this off? And then I realized who the judge was. It's Tyler Davidson. This is a genius. This is someone who understands strategy, tactics, how to use the rules in their favor, how to manipulate the rules in their favor as well. And that's how Apocalypse was going to get the win. I do think Freakazoid would put up a much better fight than people realize. But in the end, 5,000 years of experience, 1995 internet, the World Wide Web, as it will, as it were back then. Yeah, Apocalypse is dealing with that very, very easily. Well done, Tyler. I am back with a great victory. But let's go over and see how Race to Canis is feeling. Ray, this was a really close battle. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel right now. Much like the Blu-ray complete collection of Touched by an Angel, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying this decision whatsoever. Would it be funny if Apocalypse came out of the internet at 1 minute and 59 seconds and started bombing out Freakazoid? Yes, I have to honestly admit, Tyler, great call. That would be funny. But would that be actually enough to put down Freakazoid uh, at the end of an episode? I, I dispute that a little bit. I see where you're coming from, and I think you just got this one wrong. Also, you said you didn't know what Toon Force was until this episode started. I think had you had that inherent bias that I was counting on in this episode, <laughs> it would have driven me to victory. Tyler, was it, was it how I called Freakazoid? Death by Diarrhea as the new horseman of the apocalypse. Is that what kind of puts you over in thinking you know, Freakazoid you, would lose? You can't, you can't discount his vulnerability to poo gas. That was yeah. one thing that I had uh, forgotten. And, and it comes into play. You got to count it. Look, Apocalypse, apocalypse is going to go into that weird, demented mind of Freakazoid. And after a while, he'll be like, wait, what is this? Poo gas. Really? That's a thing? And that's not the hardest material or substance to create out of the blue for a supervillain. Just putting that out there. Listen, Tyler Davidson, yet again, you have proven to what what we already knew is that you're a national treasure, uh, an icon of uh, geek culture, an amazing judge for the Who Would Win show. Please come back in the near future and just do what you do so beautifully. In the meantime, tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you online. Uh, th thank you uh, again so much for having me. You, it, As hard of a job as it was, uh, I had an absolute blast, as always, listening to your points. Uh, listeners can find me on right now. I would say that the best place to find me on 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 Twitter, or Instagram at Ty Matthews PMA. Uh, you can also follow my my sketch team, Frendo at Frendo Sketch. Very cool. All right, Race to Canis, another closely debated matchup. I had to break that winning streak. You did a great job today. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. Look, first off, hashtag Ray was robbed. I think we could all agree. That, yes, there are elements of what our judge... This is actually, as far as Ray getting robbed goes, this is more of a petty theft than a full grand larceny, which we have seen on previous episodes. 
I, I wish I was a little bit madder about it, but it's hard to get mad at somebody like Tyler Davidson who waited years to come on the show again and, quite frankly, based on this decision, will wait more years before he's invited back once again. What a shameful, what a shameful decision that we had from Tyler. What a disappointment. I really thought that a, a man of the ring like yourself uh, would know what Toon Force was. What, a, what an absolute disappointment. What I'm trying to say is I'm disappointed. I'm on a very long winning streak right now. I'm crushing James week after week after week. This is a speed bump. This is a blip on the radar. People at home, people on Patreon. I hope I represented Freakazoid to your acceptance, even though somehow I did not get the victory today. And all I can say at the end of it is poo gas. Uh, this is why I think you're not invited to Comic-Con. All right. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who and Win Facebook group by, to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Bracey Canis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Remember crying when Optimus Prime died? Or the days when every series had a ham-fisted anti-drug episode? Or when you wrote fan fiction about how the Animaniacs were so hot in that water tower so they took off all their clothes and they started... No! No, different podcast. This one is Knowing is Half the Podcast, a show devoted to the best and worst animated memories of your childhood. Every week we recap a cartoon from the past to see if they're as good as you remember. They're not. What are you talking about? They're great! You're both wrong. None of them get good until they're in a water tower. No! No. And Knowing is Half the Podcast.